be too afraid to see her. So, here I sit. And when I can't bear it any more, I sneak up and down her street on the sly or hide myself round the corner. The other day I was patrolling near her gate till dawn, practically. I had the idea something was going on at the time. Anyway, she looked out of the window. What would you have done with me, says she, if you'd seen me being unfaithful? I couldn't stop myself saying, you know very well. And what does she know? Well, how should I know? Rogozhin gave an angry laugh. In Moscow that time, I couldn't catch her with anybody, though it wasn't for want of trying. Once I took hold of her and said, You've promised to marry me and enter an honorable family, and do you know what you are now? You're one of that sort. You told her that? I did. And then? I'd think twice about taking you on as a servant, says she. Never mind, be your wife. Then I'm not leaving, says I. It's all the same to me. Well, I'll get Keller and tell him to throw you out, says she. So I flung myself at her and beat her black and blue. Never, cried the prince. I'm telling you, it happened, Rogozhin confirmed quietly, though his eyes were flashing. For a day and a half I didn't eat, drink, or sleep. I never left her room. I was on my knees before her. I'll die, I said. I won't go until you forgive me. And if you order me to be put out, I'll drown myself, because what would I be without you now? She was like a madwoman all that day, weeping, then trying to knife me, then cursing me. She sent for Zalyozhev, Keller, and Zemtyozhnikov, everybody, and made a show of me, putting me to shame. Let's all go to the theater tonight, gentlemen, says she. Let him stay here if he doesn't want to leave. I'm not tied to him. They'll serve you tea without me, Parfion Semyonich. You must be starving after today. She came back on her own. They're all cowardly wretches, says she. They're all scared of you, and tried to make me the same. Said you wouldn't ever go, and probably cut my throat. Well, I'm going off to my bedroom, and I'm not locking the door. That's how much I am afraid of you. I want you to know and see that. Did you have your tea? No, says I, and I'm not going to. If your honor was involved, I could understand it, but this doesn't become you at all. And she kept her word. She didn't lock her room. In the morning she came out laughing. Have you gone mad or what? says she. You'll die of hunger like that, you know. Forgive me, says I. I don't want to. I'm not going to marry you, I've told you. You haven't been sitting in that chair all night, have you? No sleep? No, I say. Well, that's clever. And no lunch or dinner today, either? I told you no. Forgive me. This really doesn't become you at all. If you only knew, it's like a saddle on a cow. You don't mean to frighten me, do you? What do I care if you sit there starving? That's really frightening, I must say. She was angry, but not for long. Then she started nagging at me again. I wondered at her not being really angry at me. She's vindictive, you know. If anyone does her wrong, she holds it against them for a long time. Then it crossed my mind that she thought so little of me that she couldn't even be angry for long. And that's true. Do you know, she says, who the Pope is? I've heard of him, I said. You, Parfion Simeonich, have never studied world history, says she. I've never studied anything, I said. Very well, says she. I'm giving you this to read. There was a Pope once, and he was angry at a certain emperor who knelt for three days barefoot in the snow in front of the palace with nothing to eat or drink before the Pope forgave him. What do you think the emperor meditated about during those three days, on his knees too? What vows did he make? Wait a moment. I'll read it to you myself. She jumped up and fetched a book. It's poetry, she says, and started reading me a poem about how the emperor spent the three days vowing to be revenged on the pope. 
Surely that takes your fancy, Parfion Semyonitch. It's all true, said I. What you read? Aha, so you say yourself it's true. That means, maybe, you're vowing that when she marries me, I'll remind her of all this, and then I'll have some fun with her. Well, I don't know, I said. Maybe that is the way I'm thinking about it. What do you mean you don't know? Just that. I don't know. There's other things to think about. What are you thinking about now, then? That you're going to get up and pass by me? And I'll watch you and follow you with my eyes. Your dress will rustle as my heart sinks. And when you leave the room, I'll remember every little word you said, the tone of voice and what you were talking about. This last night I thought of nothing. Just kept listening to the sound of your breathing as you slept and turned over once or twice. She laughed. As for beating me, though, you don't think or remember? Maybe I do, I say. I don't know. And what if I don't forgive you and don't marry you? I told you I'll drown myself. You'll murder me first, perhaps. She said that and fell to thinking. Then she got irritated and went out. An hour later she comes out to me looking very dark. I'll marry you, Parfion Semyonich, she says. And not because I'm frightened of you, but because I'm done for in any case. What better way than this? Sit down, she says. They'll bring you something to eat directly. And if I marry you, I'll be a faithful wife. Rest assured and never doubt that. She was quiet for a moment, then said, At least you're not a lackey. I used to think before that you were a real lackey through and through. Then she named the day for the wedding. But a week later, she ran away from me to Lebedev here. When I got here, she says to me, I'm not turning you down altogether. It's just that I want to wait a while longer, as long as I feel like it, since I'm still my own mistress. You can wait too, if you like. That's how it is between us now. What do you make of it all, Lev Nikolaevich? What are your own thoughts? countered the prince, gazing sadly at Rogozhin. I'm not capable of thinking, am I? he burst out. He would have added something else, but stopped short in hopeless misery. The prince got up and once again made to leave. I shan't hinder you all the same, he said softly, almost pensively, as if in answer to some secret inner thought of his own. You know what? cried Rogozhin in sudden animation, eyes kindling. I can't understand why you're giving in to me like this. Or have you stopped loving her altogether? Before, you were really miserable. I could see that. So why on earth do you come galloping over here, hell for leather? Compassion, is it? <laughs> At this, his face twisted into an angry grimace. You think I'm deceiving you? inquired the prince. No, I believe you. It's just that I don't understand the business at all. Most likely your compassion is stronger than my love. Something savage burned in his face, clamoring for an outlet. It would be hard to distinguish your love from hate, smiled the prince. And when it passes, the situation may be even worse. Friend Parfion, I say to you now... That I'll kill her? The prince shuddered. You'll hate her for this present love of yours, and all the torment you're accepting at the moment. What amazes me most of all is how she can be going to marry you again. I could hardly credit what I heard yesterday. I felt miserable. After all, she's twice rejected you and fled from the altar. That must mean she has misgivings. What can she want from you now, anyway? Not your money, surely. That's nonsense. You've got rid of a fair amount of that, in any case, I've no doubt. And surely not just to find a husband. She can find somebody else besides you, of that I'm sure. Anybody except you would be better. Because you really are liable to go ahead and kill her. And perhaps she's only too well aware of that now.
Why do you have to love her so intensely? Though it's true, I've heard tell there are people who seek for just that kind of love. Only... The prince paused, sunk in thought. Why are you smiling at father's portrait again? Asked Rogozhin, intent on noting the least change in the prince's expression, however fleeting. Why was I smiling? Oh, it simply occurred to me that if this misfortune hadn't befallen you, if this love hadn't happened, you would really have turned out the image of your father, and in short order, too. You'd have settled down on your own in this house, with your obedient and silent wife, a man of a few stern words, trusting nobody and having no need to, just making money in dreary silence. At most, you'd have praised the old books now and again, and taken an interest in crossing yourself with two fingers, and then only in your old age. Be as sarcastic as you like. She was saying exactly the same thing recently when she was looking at that portrait. Amazing how you think alike about everything nowadays. She hasn't been to see you, has she? Asked the prince, curious. She has. She spent a long time looking at that picture, asking me about the old man. You'd have been exactly like him. She smiled at me towards the end. You're a man of violent passions, Parfum Semyonich. So violent you'd have been on your way to Siberia with them, the convicts, if you hadn't had a head on your shoulders. Because you have got a good mind, she says. That's what she said. Do you believe me or not? It's the first time I've ever heard her say such a thing. You'd have soon dropped all this foolery, since you're totally uneducated. You'd start piling up money, and you'd have settled down in this house like your father along with your castrates. In fact, you'd have gone over to their religion in the end, and you'd become so fond of your money you'd make ten million, not two, and die of starvation sitting on your money bags, because for you, passion is everything and you make everything into a passion. That's exactly what she said, practically word for word. She's never spoken to me in that way before. She usually talks nonsense or scoffs at me. Even this time she started by laughing, but later on she turned gloomy. She walked all over the house, inspecting everything. She seemed frightened of it. I'll change everything, I said. Have it all redecorated, or maybe buy another house before the wedding. On no account, says she. Don't change anything here. This is how we're going to live. I want to live beside your mother when I become your wife. I took her to see my mother, and she was as respectful as if she had been her own daughter. My mother hasn't been altogether in her right mind for the last two years. She's an invalid. But after my father's death, she got to be just like a baby, never utters a word. She can't walk and just bows from her chair to everyone she sees. It would take her three days to realize she hadn't been fed, I do believe. I took mother's right hand and folded it. Bless her, mother. She's going to marry me. So she kissed my mother's hand with emotion and said, Your mother's had to bear much sorrow, hasn't she? She caught sight of this book here. Why have you started reading Russian history? It was she who told me herself once in Moscow. You should try and educate yourself somehow. Read Solovyov's Russian history, at least. You really know nothing at all. That's good. Carry on reading that, she says. I'll write you out a list of what books you should read first of all. If you want me to, that is. She'd never, ever spoken to me like that before. I was amazed. I breathed like a human being for the first time. I'm very pleased about that, Parfion, said the prince, genuinely touched. Very pleased. Who knows? Perhaps God will bring you together after all. That will never happen, cried Rogozhin vehemently. Listen to me, Parfion. If you love her so much... Surely you want to earn her respect. And if you want to do that, surely you must hope for a happy outcome. I said just now that it was a rare puzzle to me why she wanted to marry you. But even if I can't understand it, I'm certain there must be a sufficient rational reason for it. 
She's convinced of your love, and she must be convinced of some of your good qualities, too. It could hardly be otherwise. What you said just now confirmed it. You say yourself she found herself able to talk to you in quite a different way from her previous way of behaving and speaking. You're mistrustful and jealous. That's why you exaggerate everything bad, you notice. Of course, she can't possibly think so badly of you as you say. That would mean that she was deliberately risking drowning or stabbing by marrying you. How can that be? Who would deliberately court drowning or stabbing? Rogozhin listened to the prince's fervent words with a bitter smile. How grimly you're looking at me now, Parfion, the prince burst out painfully. Drowning or stabbing, Rogozhin brought out at length. Ha! That's the very reason she's marrying me. Because the knife's surely waiting for her. Surely you've realized before now what all this is about. I don't understand you. Well, maybe you don't at that. <laughs> they say you're that way. She loves someone else. Get that into your head. Just as I love her now, she loves another man now. And you know who that other is? It's you. Don't tell me you didn't know. Me? You? She's been in love with you ever since that party back then. It's just that she thinks she can't marry you because she'd bring shame on you and ruin your whole life. Everybody knows what I am, says she. She keeps on saying that. She's kept telling me so straight to my face. She's afraid of shaming and destroying you. But it's all right with me. She can marry me. That's how much she thinks of me. Remember that as well. But then how could she run away from you to me and... From me, and from you to me. Ha! Who knows what idea she'll take into her head all of a sudden. It's as if she were in a fever these days. First, she's shouting at me, I'll marry you and make an end of myself. Be quick and fix the wedding. She's in a hurry to name the day, and as soon as the time draws near, she takes fright or gets some other notion into her head. God knows you've seen it yourself, haven't you? Crying, laughing, shaking feverishly. It's hardly surprising she ran away from you, is it? She ran away from you before because she realized how much she loved you. She couldn't bear it after a while. You said just now that I sought her out in Moscow that time. It's not true. She ran away from you to me of her own accord. Name the day, she says. I'm ready. Let's have champagne. Let's away to the gypsies, she shouts. If it wasn't for me, she'd have drowned herself long ago. I'm telling you the truth. The reason she hasn't thrown herself in is that I'm probably even worse than the water. She's marrying me out of spite. If she does, I'm telling you, it'll be out of spite. But then how can you possibly... How can you... The prince cried, unable to finish the sentence. He stared at Rogozhin in horror. Why didn't you say it? Said Rogozhin, grinning. If you like, I'll tell you what you're thinking to yourself this very minute. Well, how on earth can she marry him now? How can I let her do it? It's obvious what you're thinking. I didn't come here because of that parfion. I tell you, it wasn't what I had in mind at all. Maybe it wasn't what you came for or what you had in mind, but that's what it is now. <laughs> anyway, enough of this. Why are you so upset? Didn't you really know? You amaze me. All this is jealousy, Parfion. It's morbid. You're exaggerating it out of all proportion, murmured the prince, thoroughly agitated. What's the matter? Leave that now, said Parfion, and quickly seized the small knife the prince had taken from the table next to the book and returned it to its former place. It was as if I knew when I was coming into Petersburg, as though I had a premonition, the prince went on. I didn't want to come back here. I wanted to forget everything here, tear it out of my heart. Well then, goodbye. What's the matter now? As he spoke, the prince had absently picked up the knife again, and once more Rogozhin took it from his hand and threw it on the table. It was a plain-looking knife, with a horn handle and fixed blade, some seven inches long and broad in proportion. 
Seeing that the prince was taking particular note of the knife being snatched from his hand twice over, Rogozhin seized it with ill-tempered annoyance, placed it in the book, and flung the book onto another table. You cut pages with it, do you? asked the prince, but somehow abstractedly, seemingly still sunk in profound meditation. Yes, the pages. It's a garden knife, isn't it? Yes, it is. Can't I use a garden knife to cut pages with? But it's brand new. Well, what if it is? Surely I can buy a new knife now. Rogozhin was shouting in a kind of frenzy, more exasperated with every word. The prince started and shot an intent glance at Rogozhin. Lord, listen to us. He laughed suddenly, recollecting himself completely. Forgive me, friend. When my head aches so and this illness of mine, I get really absent-minded and silly. It wasn't this I was going to ask you about at all. Can't recall what it was. Goodbye. Not that way, said Rogozhin. I've forgotten. This way. This way. Come, I'll show you. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. I need to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Do it.
mir erzählt. Und überhaupt, wozu brauchen wir denn Uranium? Wozu brauchen wir denn Atomwaffen? Wozu brauchen wir denn Atom... Wie sagt man? Fabriken oder wie die Dinger heißen? Alles Lüge! Südafrika! Mitternacht. Das Tränengas hat mich fast umgebracht. Da stehen wir nun wie die Kuh vom neuen Tor und sind so klug als wie zuvor. Der Heinrichplatz ist abgeblockt. Der kleine Punk hat sich was eingebrockt. Und bei Bolle haben wir uns köstlich amüsiert. Das hat den Bürgermeister etwas schockiert. Running in a pot, 
Yeah.